Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by co-host, Brian Marceau. Dude, it's the final regular season game, which I, I'm i not devastated as the tone might sound. like I'm just floored that uh, we're here. It's the best place to be. But seriously, man, King Spud, last, last regular season game of the season, it's wild. Couldn't have said it better myself. Probably could. producing, seducing from Moscow, Idaho. Martin Heemstra. Hello. Time flies when you're having fun watching five watching a fun football team, isn't it? Yeah, just think, guys. Basketball around the corner, but nobody cares about that. We don't care about that. What we're here doing today. This is around the bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We'll speak about them a little bit later. It is the King Spud game. I know there's an official name for this. It might have something to do with the domes. I don't care. This is King Spud today, tomorrow, and forever. This will always be the King Spud game. Brian, what do we need to know about the little brother in Pocahello? What you need to know is Idaho's in a much better place than Idaho State. The, look, the Bengals have a single win all this entire season. It was against Cal Poly. It was a nail-biter in the bottom two teams playing. Also, Idaho State played uh, Central Arkansas in the out-conference, so there was another FCS game. I just, Idaho State also had a shot at Northern Colorado and managed to lose convincingly. Uh, this is a team that has had essentially no ups the entire season. And, I mean, to me, b- even before you talk about the individual players, Dallas, which you have a, bit, you have a breakdown of that, you always do. We got to spend a minute talking about Charlie Raggles takedown of the team a couple weeks ago after look Idaho state, the state of Idaho was a good place for UC Davis over the last couple weeks. Everyone saw the Idaho UC Davis game last week, but prior to that UC Davis beat Idaho state 55 to three. And after that game, uh, Regal tore into his team uh, in a way that you can only get away a head coach can only get away with that as a first year head coach. And he was, he was showing frustration, probably trying to sound like a straight shooter. Uh, Dallas, there's a ton of quotes that we can get into, but uh, on, honestly, like the big one, I got to scan through right now. I'm paraphrasing. Wrangle more or less put the entire team on notice. I mean, he said, here it is heading into the Weber state game. Uh, he said, I'm going to take 45 or 50 guys to Weber State. I feel like I've got a pretty good idea already because I feel like that's what I did. Just sit in the box and watch it and that that are going to strain. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose with the guys it matters to. When I've got coaches so pissed off at halftime, they've got tears in their eyes and they're impassioned trying to get the most out of these players. And it means more the more to the coaches. It matters more to the coaches than it does the kids. And we're not the ones playing. So again, these are growing pains that you go through in year one. And they brought me in here to fix this. But as I told them, some of you guys are going to be done because you're seniors. The rest of you are going to be done because you're not playing here anymore. That's just the reality of it. That's Raggle being pretty dang direct. And I guess Dallas, I'm going to throw it to you now we've got the setup. I mean, that's the story for me in, in the same way the story of Idaho season is, hey, Jason Eck comes in, fixes everything, and it's kicking ass. Ragel comes in, and he it's just a different world in Pocatello. He had worse pieces to start with. But uh, the stability we have in Idaho, obviously not the case in Pocatello. Yeah, this is – Idaho and Idaho State are two sides of the same coin. For anybody that for some reason doesn't remember or didn't care for the Petrino years uh, – Petrino and Rob Fennessy, his uh, former cohort in Pocatello, were both fired before last year's game, uh, which ended up being a 14-0 Vandal victory in what most consider the the toilet bowl of games. It was it was awful. Um, two fired coaches just trotting it out there and just letting it hang out for 60 minutes until they both went their separate ways. Where Idaho obviously landed Jason Eck, we're sitting here looking at win this game and have a couple things break Idaho's way. There's a playoff game in store. There could be a home playoff game in store. Idaho state is the exact opposite of that. And I don't think that's a, an indictment on Charlie Raggle uh, as a coach. Obviously he's never been a head coach before. He's a power five coordinator, a special teams coordinator, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think it might've been at Cal, but uh, that's correct. Special teams Cal. Look at that two for two on my wild guesses today. 
but this isn't an indictment of him as a coach. I think this is the reality of what the difference is between Moscow and Pocahontas. Uh, we were quite frustrated over the last few years in Moscow because Idaho dropped down to the FCS. It looked like Idaho had all of the talent they needed to succeed. Maybe not at the quarterback, but that also was a genetic problem. Uh, and then nothing just clicked. And then at the end of last season, obviously Idaho's getting blown out by teams. I mean, losing by 50 plus to Eastern. I know Eastern was a lot different last year than they are this year, but Idaho had these, like these things in place that it looked like if you get the right coach, this isn't as bad of a rebuild. Unfortunately for Raggle, I, I fully agree with his comments that that conference or that team, that conference, that team has been in the big sky for God knows how long, 40, 50 years at, at least. And they have been mostly trash for the last 30 years, kind of the same way Idaho has, but Idaho is you know b- bouncing around conferences. There's been like, there's been a foundation there. There is no foundation in Pocatello. The uh, athletic department there is a complete mess. Uh, if you're ever interested, find Ross Cunningham on Twitter. You can find him. He follows, I think, all of the Tubbs guys. He interacts with us on a, on a fairly frequent basis. He's one of those guys that's kind of the insider uh, for Idaho State. He loves to tell people about all of the problems over there. I don't have a problem with, with Raggle saying, you know, he's going to take 45 or 50 guys to Weber State, cutting off a large chunk of the roster, just saying, I'm done with you, saying the rest of you just aren't going to play here anymore. I don't have an issue with that. This is a team that wins one or two games every year. I know there have been some small blips every once in a while. Uh, Mike Kramer got them to six or seven wins, maybe even eight once. They've had they've had you know their occasional season where everything clicks together, but for the most part, this is just a dumpster fire that's at the bottom of the big sky. If they honestly, if they weren't in Idaho, if this was let's say even Northern Colorado or NAU that was consistently like this, people would be clamoring for them to get kicked, get kicked out of this league. They're a tire fire in every sense of the word. All of their major sports are mostly just terrible at all times. I know that their women's basketball team has definitely had its its moments, but, and I mean no slight to women's basketball, it's not one of those things that brings people into the seats and brings a ton of money in. That's what your football team does, and to a much smaller extent, it's what your men's basketball team does, and Idaho State just hasn't gotten any of that right for decades upon decades. I mean, one of the things that stands out to me here is this is not a put down to Idaho State's offensive coordinator, Taylor Mazzone. I just bring that up as a comparison. Taylor Mazzone, he's offensive coordinator. He come came to Idaho State from San Diego, from San Diego, where last season Mazzone was the wide receivers coach under offensive coordinator Tyler Sutton. Tyler Sutton's now the recruiting coordinator and tight ends coach for Idaho. I'm just bringing that reference point up of San Diego's OC, who is successful at San Diego, Tyler Sutton, comes to Idaho and goes down a position. The wide receivers coach under Tyler Sutton at Idaho State moves up a position. That, that's just part of the, the basic status of the programs where they're at and part of why it looks, I know that's a coaching staff thing, but when Dallas is talking about things being rougher at Idaho State, I mean, that's another reference point is Idaho State is not thought – Idaho is thought of regional in the FCS as, you know, a sleeping giant. No one laughed at Jason Eck when he called Idaho a sleeping giant. If Regal had called Idaho State a sleeping giant, which he did not, uh, there there would have been some laughs. But I want to tie that into the actual team right now, Dallas. You know, offensively, I used, I used to make fun of Northern Colorado and still do make fun of Northern Colorado, uh, giddily, for being pretty bad offensively. Last season, Northern Colorado had 12 touchdowns in Big Sky play. With one game left in the season, that's, that's where Idaho State is sitting right now. Uh, bottom offense in the league, averaging 14 points a game. The Bengals have been blown out in all but, honestly, all but two games. Idaho State had a nine-point win against Cal Poly, 40-31. to 31. That was about a month ago. And two weeks prior to that game, uh, Idaho State was getting killed by Montana for virtually the entire game, uh, but was able to get it close at the end and lost 28 to 20. That's it as far as close games for Idaho State. Every other game is at least two scores. The last, you know, two the last two weeks have been rougher with UC Davis uh, for my bad, not 55 to 3, 43 to 3. And then Weber State 45 to 7. But just look throughout the rest of the season, losing to Northern Colorado 35 to 14, losing to Central Arkansas 31 14, losing Montana State 37 6, losing to Northern Arizona 24 to 10. This there just aren't a lot of bright spots, except I mean, fingers crossed. We already heard Ragel say he's kind of done with a bunch of guys. 
Uh, word is apparently Tyler Vanderwall, starting quarterback from the first couple weeks of the season, went down with a broken collarbone for like the second time in the last couple of years. Vanderwall looks like if he's in shape, he's going to be, he's probably going to be the starter, which I'd be floored if Regal didn't give Vanderwall a shot. He's the guy that Regal picked Vanderwall as a starter week one. Uh, he would pro, I mean, just Vanderwall's been, been out. So he would not be one of the guys, Regal. When we, I read Regal's quote earlier, he would not be one of the guys who you'd say Regal's kind of done with, or he's given Vanderwall a final, you know, a final ish shot uh, to see what he can do as a starting quarterback. The Bengals also have one of the best receivers in the league, Xavier Gullery. Uh, how funny story about Gullery. He, he was charged with a DUI a couple weeks ago, which I can tell you when I was younger, as in like when I was in high school or probably even college, if you get charged with a DUI, you're probably not playing in the games. But uh, Regal said he's going to let the process play out. So I don't know, innocent until proven guilty. That's how it works in a court of law. It doesn't work that way anywhere else, but whatever. The Regal's done with the team, and apparently he's not done with Gullery. So Gullery's still going to play. Uh, Gullery is a top, one of the best wide receivers in the league. So that like those are honestly two of the like four bright spots on the entire team. Dallas, I didn't want to stuff on the other two for you. So I, look, at, Dallas is going to have the exact same tone as me. Idaho State is more a game that Idaho needs to not face plant against. But if Idaho State's if Idaho's going to face plant in this game, Dallas, who are a couple other guys that uh, you, people are gonna, probably going to hear on the broadcast. So before we jump into that, I quickly want to just touch base. I mentioned that Idaho State has been honestly terrible since the 80s. So they won the national championship in 1981 going 12 and 1. Uh, in 1983, they went 8 and 4. Uh, then you go all the way to 94. And in 94, 95, they won six games apiece. So six and five both of those years. Then you get to 2002. They went 8 and 3. 2003, they went 8 and 4. Then you get all the way to 2014 when they went eight and four. And that pretty much does it. They did go six and five in 2018 with Rob Fennessy. Those are their winning seasons in the last 40 years. Uh, honestly, just a terrible program from, from head to head to toe. It's been like that for decades. But like Brian said, Xavier Guillory, he's one of the best guys in the, honestly, the in the conference. And that might be part of why he is still playing. Uh, he's top five in the big sky in catches. He's sixth in yards. He's tied for 11th in touchdowns. One of the best receivers uh, in this uh, in this league. The big thing for me, uh, Raiden Hunter, their starting running back, I think he looks pretty good. Uh, he's led the team. He's got 93 carries, 451 yards. He hurt his shoulder against NAU, hasn't played at any point in the last three weeks, realistically. And they have a receiver, uh, Benjamin Omayebu, who is starting in his place. So that's that's the that's where we're at with with Idaho State. They're starting a receiver at the running back position. Um like Brian said Xavier Guillory is like is the the stir that the straw that stirs the drink if you're going to use a, a tired cliche. Tyler Vanderwall is a good quarterback, at least we think he's a good quarterback based on what we saw in the spring, but he hasn't practiced since September. They have been just cycling through Vanderwall got hurt, Sagan Gronauer got hurt, Hunter Hayes got hurt. They're just cycling through a bunch of injuries there. So that's not phenomenal. Um, even Jihad Brown, he's a starting corner for them. He's actually pretty decent. Broke his leg last week, so he's not going to play either. This is a, a team that's beat up pretty good, but one of the one of the, the guys I would be looking for if I were Idaho, uh, senior Charles Ike, he's the, their middle linebacker. He's seventh in the big sky in tackles with 81. He's got three interceptions. He's realistically outside of Guillory and their kicker, Ian Hershey. He's about the only guy that's got potential to be an all big sky talent this year. Uh, you know, there's again, a guy like Vanderwall maybe could, if he could stay healthy, but that's, that's what we're looking at here, guys, is this is not a terribly talented team. Their coach has not given up on them, but has already said there's 45, 50 guys that he's invested in. And the rest of them can all basically just pound sand because he's just done with either attitude or effort or, or whatever it may be. That's that's infecting things in Poca hellhole. Uh, the one thing that does make me a little nervous, their offensive line has a fair amount of continuity. It hasn't obviously done them a lot of good. They don't score touchdowns. They haven't scored touchdowns for a couple of years now, but their left tackle, their center and their right tackle are all third year starters. Their right guard transferred in from Arkansas State, where he started a couple games. Their left guard is the only guy that's a first-year starter. Uh, otherwise, their their whole line is pretty stacked with with guys that have played a bunch. Uh, I'm not saying that they're among the top lines in the conference, but those are to me, Brian. That's the the things I would be looking out for. Guillory, 
Ike at the middle linebacker position. And then again, their offensive line should hold up fairly well. It just depends on who's going to be back there throwing the ball. And if that person who's throwing the ball can even make it through an entire game. Well, we have stressed Idaho state, even if Raiden Hunter were playing, which he's not, is a pretty bad rushing team. They're, they're not quite Cal Poly bad. Uh, Cal Poly averages 2.9 yards per rush, but Idaho state they're down there. They're, they're number nine in the conference in rushing yards per game. They're tied for last place in rushing touchdowns with five. Uh, look, if Vanderwall is playing, that could change a little bit of, of the passing numbers, but also Idaho State cannot pass whatsoever. They're the second worst passing team. The, the only team they're really comp- comparable to in passing yards per game is Montana State, except Montana State doesn't try to pass. The the Bengals are the only, I think the only team in conference. I don't think they are the only team in conference with a negative touchdown to interception ratio on the conference season. So truly just moving scoring points at all is just not something Idaho State has done. I mean, look, let's let's play a game we've done before we used to do with Idaho men's basketball, Dallas. Uh it's oh it's a over-under game, or it's uh above or below. So number of games in big sky play that Idaho state has scored at least two touchdown Dallas. Is it more than two? Sorry. Is the number 2.5? Is it above 2.5 or under 2.5? It is over, but I think it's because I think I know which games it's over. I think it's three. I think it's UNC Cal Poly and Montana scored two touchdowns against UNC scored two touchdowns against Montana scored four touchdowns against Cal Poly, the end. So in big sky play, three games, 12 total touchdowns on the season. Uh, there's just, look, if Idaho, if I, if this game is close, which it absolutely should not be, look, we'll, we'll get to the Idaho end in a minute. And Vandals are reeling because UC Davis was, Idaho just wasn't ready for UC Davis, but we did a whole episode on that. Idaho State is a completely different monster. This this is easily the worst team, except for maybe Drake, that Idaho's played the entire the entire game, the entire season. If this is close to competitive, it's because Idaho gives a terrible defensive effort and turns the ball over a ton. I gotta Neither... cut you off, Brian. I have a question to ask you in the middle of this. Okay. Because I think it, it ties in. Uh former Vandal Great, I mean still current Vandal Great. Uh you can find him on Twitter. I believe it's vandal radio ryan even though he's not radio anymore ryan phillips in the comments saying the thing we always forget is that this is the biggest game of the year for them but brian as you were sitting here talking about idaho's got to do all these things wrong does that matter for a team this bad this is their super bowl so look ryan thank you for for that point and the answer is maybe like you're right this is the biggest game for for idaho state Idaho State hasn't had a fantastic effort against Idaho, I don't really feel, since 2018. I mean, even that, even that COVID game, if Nair passes 40%, Idaho wins that game. Idaho beat the hell out of Idaho State homecoming 29, in 2019. And last year, in the worst game in the history of college football, Idaho pretty handily won the, the least enjoyable game I've, I've seen in my life. So, like, the point isn't irrelevant, Ryan. The thing I would get to is just look at how Idaho Idaho State has progressed through the season. It's not like they responded last week to Ragel's challenge by putting up any sort of fight against Weber State. It was 45-7 against Weber State. The only real fight this team showed was in that, honestly, the sandwich of looking okay for a quarter when Montana face-planted against Idaho State and then ignored Montana State 37-6 than beating a terrible Cal Poly team. Other than that, like this doesn't look like a team that's growing in any sort of way. They're to me, they're limping towards the finish line. Uh, based off how Regal is open about in talking about this team, you would have to expect uh, this is a season that's going to end in divorce for a lot of players. So, like point taken about this being the biggest game, but I think this has been a uniquely rough season for Idaho State, even amongst Idaho State seasons in. Uh, I think that the Bengals are ready to pack it in. And I think Idaho, I wouldn't be shocked if Idaho is able to do that whole shock and awe thing finally and uh, jump jump ahead early. And then this is just uh, playing out the, the, the final two and a half quarters or so. So 
I guess I, I also don't because of how the t- Idaho State has not really grown much. I really don't think Idaho State's grown much this season. Honestly, they look better early, but part of that was when Vanderwall was playing and they had a prayer of scoring any points. Vanderwall will be playing, but not in like you know great shape, having sat out for essentially two months. So I guess that Ryan, what I'd say is that's a nice asterisk to throw of like, hey, maybe that's a thing that disrupts the anticipated flow of the game. But to me, if this game is close, it's more about how Idaho keeps Idaho State in the game. Because even if you look at the Montana game, that's how the reason that game is close is because Montana kept Idaho State in late instead of throwing a couple touchdowns on the board and and calling it a day. You'd have to think that Idaho is going to come out, especially being on the road. Idaho seems to have played better on the road this year, other than obviously the Sac State game. It seems like Idaho just comes out with a little bit more fire on the road. So I, I feel pretty good about our chances. However, I also said a whole bunch of things about thinking that this was the year that Idaho finally beat Dan motherfucking Hawkins and that well, didn't happen either. So, well, we can also look at how Idaho rebounded from losses this season. Cause look, we, we've honestly, we've talked about the interesting parts of Idaho state. So I guess I'm going to start focusing on the Idaho end after losses so far. I mean, look, Idaho re Idaho killed Drake, which Idaho's supposed to after losing to Sac state, Idaho, beat the hell out of Eastern. So look, we have a second chance to recover from a loss. Eastern is significantly better than Idaho state. And most important to me, look, Idaho state, what they have to play for is whatever pride is left of the guys who are going to be on the team and trying to trash Idaho's season. Idaho is playing to hopefully secure a playoff berth. Something that the seniors who have been here for a while and gone through a lot, that's going to be a big deal to them. And for the freshmen, for the underclassmen, uh, being able to put their, you know, their footprint on the program early and set up, you know, a program that uh, maybe three or four years from now, some of these guys are breaking records or approaching breaking records for Idaho, where you look back and say, hey, freshman year or sophomore year, you know, it's weird with the COVID counting these underclassmen were what pushed Idaho into playoffs for the first time. And that's where the real, real change sea change the program came for. So I think Idaho has a lot more to play for in the, in a way that could, that is going to sustain. And also again, like we've just seen Idaho, they don't lose to shitty teams. The only losses Idaho has are to two FBS teams and two pretty good big sky teams, Sac state's top three and UC Davis, man, they're, they're ranking to me or they're wherever they're at, if they're ranked at all is not commiserate with the actual talent that uh, Davis has. That's not the case for Idaho state. No, it, it, it really, it isn't. Uh, it, it, it's tough to, to like kind of recenter ourselves after a loss that, that hurt a lot. Um, if you are curious to revisit those wounds, you can listen to our instant reaction show from last weekend, where we talked heavily about how devastatingly disappointing that that was. Um, UC Davis in the coaches poll is is 24th. I don't remember what they are in the the poll that uh, matters, or maybe that's 24th in the poll that does matter. Uh, whatever. UC Davis is ranked this week. Uh, so realistically, Idaho's losses are to two teams that will end up ranked by, at the end of the year. Maybe if UC Davis gets blown out by Sac State, they'll they'll slip into like the others receiving votes, uh, or maybe slip out of it completely. But you're you're talking about a fringe top 25 team a top three team in the FCS and two power five schools. Like realistically, I I think it's okay for Idaho fans to feel a little less nervous about this Idaho state team, just simply based on the fact that they're just not very good. They just, they're, they're just not good guys. Uh, Like we, we didn't know what to expect with UC Davis because they hadn't played anybody. We've seen Idaho state play teams. Yes. They were close with Montana, but they've gotten blown out by just about everybody else. Uh, statistically they have the the worst scoring offense in the conference they're they have the least amount of yards if you go across the full season i i go full season brian goes conference only so when he talks about stats that sometimes they're just a little bit different than the way i talk about them but defense eighth in yards 10th in scoring they're like 36.4 points a game like this is just not a team they're they're barely outside of the top 10 in their rushing defense so like Props to them. They're ninth. They allow 194 yards a game on, on the ground. It's just, this is not a team that I think matches up well with Idaho. I know that there's the rivalry here and that uh, like rivalries always change shit. There's, you'd hope the emotion from Idaho state that they're going to come in and, and want to ruin Idaho's season. 
But like Captain58 saying in the chat, Coach Raggle is preparing the three fans of this team for an entire teardown, and he wouldn't be surprised if Idaho State leads the big sky in transfers out of the program. I wouldn't be shocked by that either. I think Raggle's comments were sort of the harbinger of doom of like this program has to be torn down to the absolute studs. So I think that's what we're going to see. I'm guessing they're going to come out and and punch hard on that first drive, especially if Vanderwall is the guy. Um, shout out to Greg Woods, the Idaho State Journal. He did say that Tyler Vanderwall is actually the healthiest of the three quarterbacks right now, according to Raggle. Um, Raggle said that in his Monday press conference. Vanderwall is the healthiest, but he hasn't practiced in September. So we're we're sitting here like projecting like, well, Vanderwall was good when he was healthy. Maybe maybe they can hang in there, but. I just don't see I don't see their defense being able to stop Idaho's ground game. Idaho's obviously going to be running pissed because of how poorly they played against UC Davis. That game was never close. I mean, it obviously was close when it was 0-0, but after that first drive, it just felt like this was there's nothing you were going to do. I just, Brian, I just don't see it. I know, and I know I said that about last week, but I don't see any way that Idaho State keeps this game relatively close, knowing that Idaho in in the playoff. I don't know, bracketology or whatever you want to call it. If Idaho goes out there and beats the piss out of Idaho State, then you have the victory over Montana. You beat the piss out of the mutual opponent. If Montana is on the ball, especially if Montana loses to Montana State, I think if they beat Montana State, they're in. If they lose to Montana State, both teams have identical records, but Idaho has obviously the head-to-head victory, and they've looked better against the mutual opponents. I mean, you could say that the Sac State overtime loss means more than a three-point loss, but realistically, you have similar close losses. If you go out there and beat a team that Montana barely squeaked by, according to the final score, that like this is what Idaho has to do. Idaho has to go out there and beat the absolute piss out of Little Brother and Pocahello, or as Nick Davis says, Pocadildo. All you got to do is is completely blow them apart. You blow them apart, and realistically, as long as Montana doesn't beat Montana State. That's that's what you need to do right there. Obviously, if Montana does beat Montana State, then you have a bunch of other cards that that come into play, which we'll get and to. And you, yeah, exactly, we'll get to that. And you got to hope. But first, you know, one A here, you blow out Idaho State. You hope that Montana doesn't win. And realistically, if that if that is the case, those two things fall. Idaho most likely gets a playoff spot. So okay. the other thing about this game too, Dallas. Sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off. I just got I just got to bring this off so I can throw it back to you. An average Idaho State Big Sky Conference game is Idaho State losing 34 to 14. That's just the points scored, points allowed per game. Separate question for you, though, because if Idaho, Idaho State, obviously they scored a couple times throughout the year, 12 total touchdowns. It's always early. It's just like those old Paul Petrino days. The first the first scripted drive or the first couple scripted drives can go okay. Dallas, when do you think the last time Idaho State scored a second-half touchdown was? I mean, can I say the Cal Poly game? Because I'm assuming it was the Cal Poly game. Yep. October 29th, Idaho State scored a third quarter touchdown against Cal Poly. Do you want to know when the last time Idaho State scored a fourth quarter touchdown? Um, spoiler alert, they have not. Actually, I think they did against Montana, but I like to believe that they haven't. Yep, Montana. That's it. Which was October first for anybody curious. The last time they scored in the fourth quarter was um six weeks ago. Scored, yeah. Yes, last time scored a touchdown was six in the fourth quarter was six weeks ago. This Idaho State team, again, not I'm not trying to be dismissive in like a like a condescending way to Idaho State, just at a fact based level. This is just not a good football team. Idaho, look, we saw Idaho as a ceiling based off UC Davis, but Idaho State's not the kind of team that is going to make Idaho look anything like the Vandals did in the Dome last week. They're, they're, Davis has some talent both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Idaho State does not. And Idaho State, look, if this is a close game at all, it's because Idaho State goes wild in the first half, similar to how Portland State and UNC did against Idaho. But even when those vastly superior offensive teams did that, Idaho still blew both those teams out. So look, I don't really see this, this being close whatsoever. Uh, playoff wise, uh, well, again, Idaho, look, Idaho getting to seven wins, uh, needing the style points. Dallas talked about that. Sure. Um, I guess if I'm going to segue into playoff into playoffs right now, look, the good news for, for the Vandals, Idaho has already played their tough games. 
and picked up a win against Montana and looked good in the FBS losses. The, all those things matter for the playoffs. And honestly, look, almost beat Sacramento State. All those matter as far as understanding the uh, resume Idaho brings to the table. The downside for Idaho is because we've Idaho's already played our toughest games, there's not much improving the resume the Vandals can do this week. Uh, a win against Idaho State, a blowout win against Idaho State is expected. That's what needs to happen. Honestly, a close, a close win might be a minor injury to the Vandals' playoff shot. The Now, the downside for Idaho, because Idaho has the best last game of the season to not hurt their resume, both Montana and UC Davis have games that can significantly improve their, their resume. The downside being those are against top five football teams. So UC Davis has to pick up a top, an actual, not a Portland State top five win, an actual top five win against Sacramento State. Ditto Montana against Montana State. If UC Davis or Montana pick up wins against Sac State or Montana State, then just objectively, both of those teams would be moving ahead of Idaho because Idaho's best win would be against Montana. And Davis's best win would be over both Idaho and Sacramento State. That's two quality wins. Montana would then have a best win against Montana State, who's ranked higher than Idaho. So that's that's just the math we're looking at in the big sky. But right now, the Vandals can't really do much except kill kill Idaho State. And then realistically, if, look, if, if Idaho hits a doomsday scenario and some teams from other conferences lose or pick up wins that we, I mean, we can run through the whole list. But we really want to, there is a doomsday scenario where a seven and four Idaho team doesn't get in, but a lot of stuff has to go wrong. And the big thing Vandals can control is pick up that seventh win. And then just trust that not every single thing in the entire damnation is going to break against them. That's, I mean, realistically, and for anybody that doesn't follow the FCS quite as heavily as, as we do, um, the what you need to be rooting for is Idaho needs to beat the brakes off of Idaho State. UC Davis needs to lose to Sacramento State because, again, if UC Davis loses, they cannot qualify for the playoffs. They have six wins. They don't qualify. Simply just Sac State going undefeated, running the table, that knocks out maybe Idaho's biggest competition for what may be the final spot into the playoffs. And then honestly hope for Montana State because then that puts Idaho as comfortably the number four team in the big sky you'd assume four teams get into the big sky. There's a bunch of things that have to happen. If you're really interested, Sam Herder has an awesome write-up every week where he does FCS bracketology. Excuse me, bracketology. Uh, right now, he's got Idaho predicted to play against New Hampshire with the winner of that game going to Bozeman the next weekend. Uh, Craig Haley at The Analyst uh, used to be FCS Stats Perform. It's been a bunch of different names. Uh, he's got Idaho playing Weber State in the first round. So I guess the question I have for you, Brian, do you matter or does it matter to you? Do you care about Idaho's first round opponent and trying to think about it that way? Or at this point, are you just, Hey, make it to the dance and it doesn't matter who you play. No phase ones, make it to the dance. And both of those brackets would reflect Idaho being one of probably one of the last four teams in the playoffs right now, which is why there's a little anxiety right now. Uh, both if you talk to Vandals or you hear us talking right now, uh, Really think Idaho should be safe with a win, but there there are there are scenarios where Idaho's left out in the cold, and that would be really shitty relative to how good we think this team is. But the bracket in the first round, it's not put together like the NCAA tournament, where it's the the best team playing in the round plays the worst team in the round, and you know, like a one sixteen matchup and two fifteen matchup. That's not how the first round of the FCS playoffs works. It's it's done regionally. So honestly, I have no idea how in God's name Idaho would play New Hampshire because that, that regionally is not really uh, a feasible matchup. Idaho-Weber State, not shocking at all. In 2017, Weber State and Southern Utah played each other early in the playoffs. Uh, last year, Montana and Eastern Washington played in the second round. Just Big Sky teams are going to play Big Sky teams because of the lack of Division One or FCS foot football programs in the West, particularly the lack of good FCS programs outside of teams in the big sky. So no, I'm not, I don't really care about the first round matchup right now. I know that Idaho is real. I know that if Idaho makes the first round, there's a not terrible shot that we, the Vandals get to host the game in Moscow. Cause we know that the Vandals are uh, let's just say motivated last we heard uh, to, to get the prestige of hosting a game. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens, but the team's got to make the playoffs first. And um, you know, I guess once we get there, it's it, the, the question to, to me becomes how, how can, what, how far is Idaho's ceiling 
in advancing the playoffs. But man, just got to get into the first round first. Uh, I think that'd be a huge representative win for the team right now. Uh, don't want to get into the talk about next year's schedule, but I really would like Idaho to get in the playoffs this year so that we know within the first two years of Jason Eck being there, a, a turnaround with a, with a huge symbolic victory making the playoffs has taken place as far as the prestige, as far as uh, buying you know time for, or, or as far as signifying to fans that, hey, be ready for the start of next season. Getting the playoffs right now, to me, is a pretty big deal. Yeah, and I think just for the the emotion, obviously, uh, seven months from now, guys, if Idaho makes or doesn't make the playoffs, everybody, I think, will the emotion will have subsided and it will be, you can't say anything, but this season was a success because they won more games than they lost. Even if they lost this game, more games won than lost is not something we've seen a whole lot in Vandal Country the last, honestly, the, this entire millennium. So it's quite nice to be already have that set aside and if the wheels come off for some reason this weekend yes we'll all probably think about it 20 years from now like what could have been but you're one of the jason eck regime has been a success now it's time to put the exclamation point on it and get into the playoffs in year one and prove everybody that thought hey there's a plenty of talent here idaho should be winning gives justification to all of those folks. Yeah, Brian, it's weird how the status of going seven and four, making the playoffs versus seven and four and just being just missing out. Like you, it's still the exact same regular season resume. It won't, it won't undo the big win in Montana that Idaho finally got. It won't undo the blowout wins. Idaho notched against the shitty teams, which about time Idaho started blowing out the shitty teams, but we're here. Uh, but just the, 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 the symbolism of being in the final 24, I think that matters to a team like Idaho. Well, look, hey, even – it's not just Idaho. Look at Montana. Uh, imagine the uh, temperature of the team if 7-4 and four Montana gets left out versus 7-4 and four Montana or 8-3 and three Montana makes it in. It's, it, it also – it just sets the stage for next year, which, look, we'll talk about that at a, on an episode that's not going on today. But if there's a team in the big sky, or even, honestly, the Missouri Valley too, that making the just being on the inside of that bubble really matters for, I think Idaho's that team. And I think this team has, has done enough to earn that spot. Like there's no world where I'd say Idaho's not one of the 24 best teams, but it's not the 24 best teams to make the playoffs. Just like the NCAA tournament's not the best 64 teams that make it because of auto bids. Someone's going to make it from the shitty Pioneer Conference which means a good team for the big sky or Missouri Valley doesn't get to make it in whatever this matters for Idaho in a way that I think it doesn't necessarily matter exactly for other teams. Well, like Tom Kendall and Bart Holt both mentioning uh, almost at the exact same time, it's a great recruiting tool. It absolutely is being able to, t to tell potential recruits. Yeah. We took over to this Idaho program a year ago. They were winning four games a year. We made it to the playoffs in year one. That's a pretty damn good way to separate yourself when you're recruiting at this level against kids that realistically, if they're going to the FCS, they probably want to be on that stage where you are playing in games that get a little bit more national coverage. As Jason Mayer saying, maybe it's just more visible now, but I feel like we've had a lot more recruit signings. Like it, it, I think it is a lot more visible, Jason, just in the fact that we have a coaching staff that understands that social media is good and that cell phones and the internet are a thing. Like we we've finally entered this millennia. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of, but even just the the exposure, just getting extra practices for these guys. This is a young team. This is a team with a bunch of guys that are not accustomed to winning. I know that there's like, there's guys like Vonnie McCoy, redshirt freshman. He's only here for a year, but some of the, the guys that have been with this program for three, four, five years, it's important to show these guys, especially the ones that are going to be here next year, it's important to show these guys, like, yes, we can do this. This this culture of Idaho continually being terrible and even our fan base, and I know I'm the worst at it. The second something bad happens, you just revert back to, well, Idaho sucks again. Going to be pain. It's it's important to break that and finally get out of that mentality. And that's that's what playoffs would, I think, do for this team and this, this program is, like, look, Idaho can be good at football. Idaho can hopefully be consistently good at football. We're not going to talk about next year's schedule and the schedule after that and, and, and moving forward, but getting to the playoffs in year one with a new coach is a pretty damn good sign that you're headed in the right direction. No, right? You're right. It, ma it matters for this year for sure. 
and it matters for next year and it matters for both of them at the same time. You, you hit the recruit end. The end I want to bring up is to contrast Idaho with Eastern, Eastern Washington right now, which is for years, Eastern Washington was a great place for not just recruits, but coaches who are trying to advance, go to Eastern, you'll land on a G5 or a P5 team. Look, that was, that's how Troy Taylor got to Utah, then Sacramento State. Eastern is, that's the opposite direction that program's heading right now. Idaho right now is look, now we haven't had the season end and coaches actually leave, but at the FCS level, coordinators do leave, position coaches do leave. That is just a fact of existence here. We want this program to be the kind of place that coaches who want to advance their career think, yeah, of course I'll come in. So like, for example, if next year, I mean, this is just invented. This is no, not sourced information. Hey, if Thomas Ford takes a job, takes a G5 job next year, we want the guy who comes in behind Thomas Ford to be excited about coming to Idaho because it's a place where you can advance your career and do well while you're there right away. Uh, this, the playoffs to me, it, it's a signifier that probably outweighs what it should because no matter what, Idaho's a program on the rise. No matter what, a seven and four season for Idaho playoffs or no playoffs is a good season where we can go through week by week, talk about how fun it was, talk about the great efforts we saw individually and both as a team throughout the week. The playoffs changes none of that, but it matters. And it matters in a pretty big way for a school like Idaho. Look at Idaho State. They didn't make it in, in 2018. That actually did matter for Idaho State in terms of landing future recruits. Idaho's not in that dire straits, but God, it matters. It matters a ton of the players. It matters a ton of the coaches. It matters the fan base. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, something to consider. I'm, I'm not saying missing the playoffs, this team ever turns into anything like Idaho State's dumpster fire of a program. Never, ever, ever going to happen. Um, I think there's an, there's too many people about around Idaho that care too much about Idaho to let it fall to Idaho State levels. That's that's the perks of not being the shittiest school in the, in the state. Um, shots fired at Boise Junior College um, because they also are, are right in there with them. Anyways, Brian, we've covered most of the major players for Idaho State, and if they're going to play or not play, we've covered a lot of the narratives around. Let's get into score predictions, but before we do that, if any final points you want to bring up, thank God we don't live. We don't cover Idaho State, man. Man, I I would question the direction my life went if yeah. I went to school in Pocatello, I, Idaho. I don't hate Idaho State as an institution. I actually would like them to be good. I think it'd be fun for the big sky and fun for Idaho, for Idaho State to be good. But they're a long ways from that, man. Let's get into score predictions, guys. We have producer-seducer Martin Heemstra talking on mute. But the one thing, we do have one thing. We all have our version of Idaho State that's coming up in a month. Let's all get excited for it. God damn it, Martin. That's the other reason Idaho needs to make the playoffs, is that lets us not focus on basketball for a little bit longer. Idaho, man, it's got to be at least two weeks. For the sake of Tubbs and the club, I mean, who cares about the players now? Who cares about the coaches and their careers? I don't want, I, I want to be able to talk about football for at least two or three more weeks. How about we make the executive decision to talk about basketball when the coach isn't constantly throwing players under the bus and recruiting new ones the next year? The <laughs> yeah! Let's, let's commit to that. Anyways, score we're going to stop right? talking score about this program. We're going to go into score predictions. Martin, the King Spud game, who you got? Uh, I am going to go Idaho 52. To Idaho State nine. Idaho forty eight ten. Oh, and the forty eight. The reason I'm saying not fifty is if any Idaho guys are banged up, I expect they're not going to play as much in the fourth quarter. I'm going to go Idaho fifty six. Idaho State. 17. I am going to give Idaho State a little bit more on the offensive end because I do think Tyler Vanderwall is going to play. But if you go through the comment section, guys, I can't even name off everybody's score predictions here. Bart Every Holt, single 45, person. 10. Steve Kurtz, Vandals, 50-10. Ryan Phillips, Idaho, 43-14. Captain, 58. Idaho, 36. Idaho State, 3. Jalen Drake, Idaho, 46. Idaho State, 12. I was also going to scroll back through the comments because some people had sent in predictions earlier, but 
Brian, being the man of the people, reading off your scores. Again, if you want your score read on air, join us live on YouTube, and maybe I will remember to read it off. Maybe Brian will save it, or maybe you're going to have to hope for next week because sometimes I'm a piece of shit and I forget to read the YouTube comments. Anyways, that brings us to our favorite sponsor, our only sponsor, but Colin, that still makes you our favorite, even if we had 30 other sponsors. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Gentlemen, that brings us to the Big Sky Pick'em. Our final-ish Big Sky Pick'em. Obviously, there's still going to be playoffs. We'll talk about if Idaho gets in. Final week of the regular season. We're going to start with the hottest game of the week. Portland State at Cal Poly. I know Brian. I know Brian's itching to talk about this one. I'll go Portland State. Keep it short and simple. Yeah, yeah. Portland State. One, we're harsher on Portland State than we probably should be. Portland State's right around five hundred ish, which is what the program always is. It's just because they're senior heavy. Portland State, if they're ever going to be better, if they're ever going to live a, up to the Montana media expectation that they are something more than they are because the media, the Montana media just thinks Bruce Barnum's fun. Uh, that's why we're harsh on Portland State because they're, they're underachieving. They're not great, whatever. They're, they're going nowhere. But they're significantly better than Cal Poly. Cal Poly's limping towards the finish line. Portland State's going to try to finish at 500 Big Sky play. That's four. I think they're looking for four wins. It's flooring to me. That's what they're looking at. But if, when you play the shittiest teams in conference, that happens. Portland State. Bart Holt saying Portland State 50, Cal Poly 3, Steve Kurtz, Portland State 35, Cal Poly 14. I honestly think it's we're about rounding into that time of would Bo Baldwin take the Eastern job if it opens up in the next year or two? I think that's that's a more interesting conversation than talking about whatever Cal Poly is doing because unfortunately, as much as I love Bo Baldwin, things just aren't working yet. Maybe next year, maybe year five but we're not seeing a lot of a turnaround right they now had portland really state promising that are really promising freshman quarterback who blew out his knee mm -hmm. but the issue for cal poly is not just that it's that this baldwin has not been able to put together anything close to an almost not quite adequate fcs defense he's miles away from being able to compete in the big sky that way that takes us to our next barn burner game, Northern Colorado at Eastern Washington. I am going to go with Aaron Best and Eagle Eastern. I think they get their third win of the season. The roughest story to me in the big sky is in Idaho State or Cal Poly. It's how far Eastern's fallen. The Eagles have two wins on the season. Narrow wins over a really shitty Tennessee State team and a really shitty Cal Poly team. So honestly, this game is a toss-up. It's much closer than it's much closer than uh, you guess. Northern Colorado also has some favor favorable matchups here because Elijah Dotson is a good running back, a good pass catching back, and those he's going to have room to run against Eastern Washington. I have to think that the Eagles have at least enough pride and enough talent to salvage something against the Northern Colorado team, which even with favorable matchups is not going to be very good. Is not going to be able to put that many points on the board. So I'm going to pick Eastern, but I'm not that confident in this pick. And honestly, this Eastern team, even if they win, that's three wins on the season, a loss. And I don't know how to not have the off season talk about what the hell to do with their best. If the team finishes with two wins, three wins, isn't that big a difference, but I'm, I'm picking Eastern. But really not that much confidence, man. That's how far the Eagles have fallen. I mean, honestly, hey, Dallas, and when you talk about it, I got a question for you. Who looked more impressive against Idaho, Northern Colorado or Eastern Washington? 
I honestly said that Northern Colorado looked more impressive against Idaho, but to be fair, it's because Idaho's run defense is not very good. I know that statistically they look good because they've played a little bunch of teams that couldn't run the ball, but Elijah Dotson looked pretty good against the Vandals. I think Northern Colorado looked better against uh, against the Vandals. I'm also going to say Eastern, but I think this is going to be a very close game again because Eastern can't stop the run to save their lives. They let Portland State, who doesn't even really have a running back, run for 400 plus yards. This is going to be a closer game, I think, than than people are thinking. There's some some folks in the the chat are saying close game. Some folks are picking Eastern blowout. I hope for an Eastern blowout, but this feels like a sneaky. If Northern Colorado hangs in here or even wins this game, Captain 58, no co by three. If Northern Colorado wins this game, I would not be shocked to see Aaron Best get fired. That that a loss like that feels like, you know what? We knew we were going to have a bad year based on our schedule, but completely bottomed out. That is what that would feel like. Uh, I don't know the details of his contract. Maybe it's not possible, but a loss to Northern Colorado in a year that you win two games after just having made the playoffs, having the Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, just, well, I guess Walter Payton Man of the Year is the NFL, but you know what I mean. That that feels like a really bad sign if you're Aaron Best. Yeah, if if Eastern doesn't pick up a win, they'll, and look, they did have a rough schedule playing Montana, Montana State, Weber State, Sac State, and Idaho and Big Sky play. So yeah, like those are five wins that they certainly weren't going to pick up. But Eastern has one Big Sky Conference win right now. We, I know they're more talented than Idaho State, but that's the team they're tied with right now in Big Sky mm-hmm. plays Idaho State. A loss at Northern Colorado, man, that's a that's a lot to stomach. I have to expect. I I I believe that Eastern just has a little more talent, well, but that's how quick, close we're getting. Quick correction: the game is in Cheney. So if they lose this game in Cheney, that is a really awful sign if you are Aaron Best and you're trying to turn this program back. Like, think about how much we shit on Ed McCaffrey because we should. And if Northern Colorado wins this game, that's three big sky wins for Northern Colorado, one mm-hmm. for Eastern on the season. Mm-hmm. So for our sake, Aaron Best, you got to get a win. We have to be able to keep making fun of Ed McCaffrey first. All right, guys. The final dog shit game of the week, Weber State at NAU. Weber State wins their fan, the fancy new trophy. I forget what it's called, but I saw a picture of it. it looked kind of interesting. Not interesting enough to look up a picture, but interesting. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say Weber State. I'm. I don't think of Northern Arizona as being that impressive. Northern Arizona's had a few close games with that with Weber over the last few years. I I don't know why. I'm going to guess NAU thinks of Weber as a rival, and the feelings not reciprocated whatsoever. Weber's defense uh, offense has been trending downward. Also, uh, pass defense. Weber's understood as you know defensive back. You five picks in Big Sky play, worst in the league in in passes intercepted for a team that's good, a team that's going to make the playoffs and is still theoretically competing for a bye. I don't think they're going to get one, but no, we, Weber State wins this one. I again, Northern Arizona tends to look good against the shittiest teams and then looks terrible against teams that are okay with the asterisk of that weird one against Montana State. But that was the, that was the anomaly, and then you couldn't capitalize. They go back to being themselves. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think Weber State blows the doors off of NAU, even if their their defense has not been uh, quite as much of a no-fly zone as they typically are. Um, Brian, you alluded to them being kind of on that bubble between having a home game or having a bye um, again, we mentioned Craig Haley and Sam Herter. Craig Haley does not have uh, Weber as a uh, by team. Obviously, he has Idaho playing at Weber, which makes sense. Sam Herter does have uh, Weber as the number seven seed. So this is a team that's obviously they're in the same kind of spot that Idaho is. They are looking to absolutely blow the doors off of the team that they're playing against in the final week to just solid uh, solid up that resume. So. Weber State by a mile. I don't. I don't think you're going to get any disagreement here. Everybody in the the chat, Jason Mayer, thirty five seven for Weber. Uh, Bart Holt, thirty three twenty eight for Weber. So a little bit closer. Steve Kurtz, forty five ten for Weber. So all, everybody seems to be picking Weber in this one. That gets us to games that actually matter. Games that we actually care about. The Causeway Classic, guys. UC Davis at Sac State. Who you got? Sac State. Yeah, this is the toughest one for me after watching 
After watching last week, look, Weaver's Sacramento State can be vulnerable against the pass. And UC Davis, to me, has no question the, the best quarterback in the league right now, and Miles Hastings, who he didn't pass that much against Idaho, but uh, he hit every pass he needed to against Idaho. Uh, Davis also, they, they pushed Idaho around, similar to how Sac State pushed Idaho around. I can't believe I'm saying this, because like if you would have asked me last week, I would have said brain dead. I'm picking Sacramento State, but honestly, UC Davis to me was more impressive than Sacramento State was against Idaho. And I know the matchup's different, but I, I really want to pick Sac State. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna doomsday scenario and pick Davis. <sighs> Brian, you're killing me. I was gonna pick Davis just so that I could be like, hey, look, I'm gonna pick this so that I'm wrong. That way, I do this as a favor to everybody. But um, I. This makes me really nervous. Uh, UC Davis, we we were so confident last week uh, because they hadn't played anybody. It was so tough to gauge their schedule because they played a bunch of cream puffs that they beat the crap out of. They had a couple close losses and then a couple bad losses. It was just tough to predict what they were going to do. And then they went in and just pushed Idaho around in every phase of the game and looked like the better team everywhere. Uh, I would question if that happens again if idaho were to run into uc davis again somehow this season i don't know if that final score or the way that the game played out is reflective of what would actually happen but uc davis was more definitely more interesting and intriguing to me than sac state has been i I, but i you know what i gotta do it i'm gonna pick sac state this is their big rivalry game both teams hate each other sac state looking to do the undefeated season uh Davis trying to get into the playoffs. It is in Sacramento. Because of that, I'm going to take Sac State. It looks like our our chat is the same way. Steve Kurtz picking Davis 45-42. Captain picking Sac by three. Jason Mayer, UC Davis 33-28. Bart Holt, Sac State 35-28. Kurt Borchart, Sac waits all year to beat Davis. Sac rolls. Basically, what we're saying is none of us know what's going to happen. We've got some people thinking it's a three-point game, seven-point game, blowout. Who knows? This is realistically a coin flip, but I'm going to go with the side of luck. I need this in my life. I need Idaho in the playoffs. Sac State. That takes us to the college game day game of the week. The brawl of the wild between two fan bases who think they're way more important than anybody else in the world. Montana at Montana State. I think it's the obvious who I'm going to pick Montana State. Yeah, this one's this one's tough for me too, because Montana is a very strong defensive team. Montana in losses, they only have good losses, and they were close losses to teams like Idaho, Sacramento State, and Weber State. Lucas Johnson's going to play, and if Lucas Johnson's even if Johnson gets hurt, Chris Brown's not coming in anymore. You don't remember the dude's name? Um, I, mean, I can look it up while Dallas talks, but the transfer from Oregon for Montana who had been third string. He's clearly moved into second string. I This game, the last few seasons that's been weird about this game is the worst team has been the team that's won and at home road doesn't really matter. I'm going to go Montana. Uh, the, the Tubbs of the Club stat department checking in. Daniel Britt is the name of the Third string, now second string quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies. This, to me, is the hardest game of the week to pick. Um, Montana State's running game is obviously electric. They struggle a little bit to throw the ball, but that's also just not what they do. It's, it's just it's not, not a foreign concept to them, but it is what it is. But Montana also, if Lucas Johnson is healthy, uh, I think Lucas Johnson is obviously their best quarterback. But just in the fact that they're not playing Chris Brown, Daniel Britt is considerably better than Chris Brown has ever shown. Even even if you say that those eight completions Daniel Britt had last week, if if those were well beyond his technical capabilities and he just had the game of his life in, in spot duty, it's still better than anything Chris Brown has ever ever shown. I'm going to pick Montana because I feel like this is the one that's going to make Idaho have to sweat this out. Montana beats Montana State, puts themselves in a pretty good spot to get in. And now if you're Idaho, you're hoping like hell that Sac State has has won that game. 
that you're comfortably the fit. I mean, uncomfortably the fifth team on the bubble from the big sky, hoping to get in with that final spot. It, it feels to me like that's how this is going to go. I got to go with Montana. Which and the, to hit this last one last point. So Mo- Montana State rushing the ball, averaging 335 yards a game in big sky play. Just incredible. They run all over everyone. Montana, even in their their rough patch against only good teams, the Grizz on the season are giving up 106 rushing yards per game, best in league. They give up an average of 2.9 yards per rush, easily the best per league, almost a yard gap between the next best team. Give, gave up six rushing touchdowns on the season. No matter how you feel about Montana because of that run, they were still competitive against very good teams. Montana's still a very good football team. And they know, I think the, the the Grizz know they're playing for their playoff lives. And there's always something wild that happens, Cat Grizz. And I, I just have a little more faith in Montana. Montana State's at least had a rough outing against NAU. Montana doesn't have that really weird, hey, how in God's name do they almost lose to the shitty team? So that's why I'm going with the Grizz. I, probably a low-scoring affair, but... So we've got uh, the comment section is completely split here. Bart Holt and Steve Kurtz both picking Montana State. Uh, Bart's got Montana State 28-24. Steve, Montana State 17-14. Jason Mayer picking Montana 35-33. Uh, Mobin picking Montana 17-14. Cap Dan, Cats 28-21. Basically, we're all picking chaos here. Ryan Phillips saying John Dutton comes off the bench and leads MSU to victory. Uh, Bart Holt mentioning if Lucas Johnson is out, Montana's offense is weaker than a wet bag. But the big thing that I want to point out here is that Brian has effectively picked Idaho to miss the playoffs because Brian has picked Davis and Montana to win both of these games. Brian, your defense. Motherfucker. That's the first step. The second step is I'm obviously picking someone like North Dakota or someone like that who we're not going to talk about to lose. It's like I was talking about earlier, this is the downside of playing a shitty team the last week of the season is Idaho can't improve the resume. Our resume is as good as it's going to be. The only thing Idaho can do is hurt its resume. Uh, again, shifting back now to Davis Sac state, Sac state was Sac state was getting their asses kicked for three quarters against Montana and Montana could not move the ball whatsoever. Benefit is Davis is nowhere near as strong defensively as Montana, but Montana State and Sac State, they're both undefeated in conference. Sac State's undefeated on the year, but there's chinks in the armor for sure. And if those chinks are going to break out into a loss for both these teams, this is a week. Bart Holt mentioning, Brian, be brave and bold. With that, we're always brave. We're always bold. We will be reacting to this game. At the conclusion of the game, some point, hopefully on Saturday, maybe it's on Sunday, who knows? You never really know with us, um, with it being a game that we're all going to be watching on TV, probably be able to react to it a little bit faster than we historically have when we are all traveling to Moscow. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we sign this show off? Well, there is the 10-second update of Ken Palm, number 352, Idaho, did lose a close one over the weekend to Nebraska, Omaha. I'm looking that score up as we speak. Uh, but Idaho basketball so far, 0-2 in, D- in D1 play with losses at Denver and a 79-72 loss at Omaha. Uh, Vandals have Bakersfield Wednesday. Yeah, I see that, Dallas. We just updated that the teams lost, man. This isn't like an hour-long discussion. Leading score, Devontae Moffitt led the way for Idaho, scored around yeah. 27. That was about the lone bright spot. Hopefully, Isaac Jones is back Wednesday. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. This is no. producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.